Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Episode 185, Daredevil Season 2, Episode 2, Dogs to a Gunfight. Hello and welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm a comic book fan, a comic book writer, a comic book collector, and a fan of the Marvel MCU. And that is why I'm here to talk with you about Daredevil Season 2. Two. There's a rap in there somewhere, but I'm a horrible, horrible rapper. Not a terrible rhymer, just a horrible rapper, and so I'm not going to rap it for you. But it's there. If you really want to hear me rap, I'm unfortunately going to have to put that on you. You're going to have to make the effort to turn that into something. Anyway, it is time for us to talk about Daredevil Season 2, Episode 2, Dogs to a Gunfight. And I am here alone right now to do this introduction and just to give you a brief overview of what's coming at you. I will have some recorded phone calls from myself and Daniel Butcher, the founding partner of of Welcome to Level 7. He will be calling in his thoughts when he first saw Daredevil Season 2, Episode 2. I will be calling in my thoughts when I first saw Daredevil Episode 2, Season 2. And then from there, Stuart and I will discuss the episode. We'll talk about any feedback if we have any. Spoiler, we don't. And then from there, uh, we will wrap up the discussion with our ratings. Finally, for post credits, we will have uh, Samantha, who will be joining us basically to give us her thoughts about Logan. So without any further ado, let's turn it over to Past Ben and Past Daniel from when we first watched these episodes like three years ago when this series originally came out. Uh, Yeah, it feels like it's been that long, honestly. Really, really does. Rewatching these shows, it's been kind of cool because I don't remember what's going on. Uh, or I remember the big details, but not the small ones. And so it's been exciting to rewatch. But that's for the discussion. For right now, let's get into the recorded phone calls from the past. Opening statements. I don't want to get too repetitious with things. Um, and so I'm, I'm assuming that most people who are going to be listening to the Daredevil coverage are starting with Daredevil Episode 1. But just to give a, a brief look at why we are doing this this way, uh, when we watch Netflix series, we binge watch Netflix series. We don't have to wait week to week to week to week. And so we knew we were going to be watching the series before we actually got around to recording it. We had no idea it would take us this long to actually record about it. We also had no idea that Daniel Butcher, founding member of Welcome to Level 7, along with me, uh, that we would not be recording together about it. So that's kind of nice because we actually get to hear his voice and then whoever the the other hosts are on the show uh, to hear their voices about things. But uh, we found a fun way to take care of things. And so that's what we're doing right now. I'm going to play a voicemail left by myself and left by Daniel Butcher to the Welcome to Level 7 uh, voicemail thing. 
I don't know. I mean, it's it's Google, Google Voice that we use. Uh, and that number, by the way, if you want to leave a voicemail about Daredevil or about anything Marvel Cinematic Universe related. Um, so I'm going to start, as I usually do, with Daniel. Let's Let's get Daniel back in here, up in this thing, and let's hear what Daniel has to say about Dogs to a Gunfight. Daredevil, season two, episode two, Dogs in a Gunfight. I'm just going to say I really like seeing Melvin back. I like seeing Melvin. I like the fact that he's still got a role to play. That uh, Melvin and, and Matt, even though Melvin is hesitant, they have this agreement. They're, they're going to protect each other. You know, Matt protects Betsy and Melvin. Melvin protects Matt. And I like that. I like that as kind of a mission statement for Melvin. He's on the up and up. He's not doing criminal activities. And he's going to protect Matt. Dude, the minute you put children in harm's way, you were done. I'm just saying, that clerk, the minute he did that, it was over. We all knew it was going to happen. Because, you know, that's becoming Daredevil's mission. And Punisher's mission statement, now name-checked. You know, he's really anti-criminal, and he protects the innocent, um, even though it is really perverted and it's really, really psychotic. But that's, you know, he believes he's a true vigilante. Um, I'm liking the Foggy stuff. Good to see Foggy. He's a tough guy. Like it. He's he's not a pushover. He's not the bad Foggy that sometimes is used in comic books. This is a good Foggy, and I liked it. So there it is. I got uh, two episodes of Daredevil in. It only took me eight years. So there we go. We will uh, talk to you all later. Agent Daniel out. All right. Thank you, Daniel, for calling in way back when. And yeah, uh, I didn't intend to steal your joke about how many years it took us to get to this point. But apparently I happened to steal your joke on the perfect episode to steal it because it's the episode where you left the voicemail about it. So I'm just going to you know, hang a lampshade on that one. Also, I really like the idea of uh, Melvin protecting Daredevil and Daredevil protecting Melvin. I, I do like that. Daniel, see, you do have some really good thoughts every once in a while, and I'm just glad you called in with them when you had them. So we will look forward to having you back again next episode. But for now, the past Ben call. Now, there's actually three from past Ben. Uh, call number one, I don't think I should play it, but it was just a lot of clearing my his throat. And then call number two was clearing his throat and then saying he needs to get a drink of water. And so now we get call number three, the real one. Hello, Ben and Daniel. Hello, uh, future Ben, future Daniel, uh, future whoever. How are you doing that? Uh, is Daniel there? He's not there, is he? Okay, that's okay. Well, whoever is there, uh, hello. And uh, I just watched the second episode of Daredevil. <clears throat> and uh, it was pretty good. Pretty good. Nice twists and turns. Most of the twists and turns you didn't know were coming until you did. And you knew the twists and turns were coming a little before they actually came. But it was still enough that I thought, oh, this is a good twist. This is a good turn. And... The whole you know, Daredevil finding the lair and and that battle with Punisher was a really interesting battle because they're both fighting as they're avoiding getting shot. And 
yeah, this is a good, solid episode, and I I liked it. But I have to say, you know, Punisher, you know, the whole – I'm sure you'll talk about this idea of did we create the Punisher by allowing the Daredevil? And, you know, it's true that what you allow – what you allow in moderation, uh, the people behind you will allow in excess. And that's what you have happening here. Daredevil they can tolerate, but Punisher they can't. They're close enough that they're the same thing, but they're different enough that, you know, one is able to be tolerated. One is actually being helpful, even though he is, I guess, strictly speaking, not following the law. But, yeah, so that's that's one thing to talk about. But what I really wanted to talk about was Foggy Nelson. In this episode, Foggy Nelson, I, I've heard people say he's just as annoying as ever in season two. Sure, maybe. He is similar to season one Foggy Nelson, but season two Foggy Nelson, they're giving him opportunities to shine, and they're giving him opportunities. He sees what his friend is doing, and he has to step up his game to do some of the other things that he's doing. And he's brave, mostly. I mean, he steps, he stands up to the DA. He runs out to where uh, he, his friend has fallen, and he runs out into, you know, it's the aftermath of a war zone, but who knows who's where, who's where, when, after this is all done. Uh, he, Foggy is a hero in this episode. And it's, yeah, Karen, she's uh, legitimately shaken. But Foggy, he's legitimately acting the hero. And he's that normal guy who's doing an abnormal thing. So I don't know where this is going to shut off and... and I wasn't keeping track, so I'm just going to leave my message and, and call it good. And, oh, my kids are coming. Okay, got to go. <sighs> Past Ben's kids. I'm just going to reminisce about them for a moment. They were nice kids. And now they're not here anymore because they're taller and sassier and teenager-er. But... I still love them. Don't get me wrong. In fact, I think I can hear them right now. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't be recording at this point in time, but I am going to now um, say, actually, there are some good points there. Uh, past Ben, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, I feel like our relationship is, is getting better. So that's, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. Uh, past Ben, you and me, we're, we're coming to terms. We're coming to terms. So that said, it is time now to turn things over to, um, well, Five minutes in the future, Ben, and and Stuart to talk about this episode. Case evidence. I am no longer alone in the mobile command center that has taken us to Hell's Kitchen. I have been joined by my partner, my partner in uh, one of my partners in crime. Are we a gang? Are we worried that Punisher is going to come get us? No, no. No, I, I was okay. I was going along more along the lines of like, you know, uh, Foggy and Matt are partners. Oh, know? okay. Like the okay. law firm. Actually, like law firm. it kind of works out. Yeah, with, with the three regulars now. I, you know, I just thought of that. Yeah, yeah. I just thought of that. Samantha's um, not here because, you know, she's out doing her own thing with the, the uh, accounting and the, mm -hmm. the books. Uh, which there is She's no accounting in books. It's very easy to do our accounting right now for Welcome to Level Seven, um, because there is none. But <laughs> um, right, I, 
so in the last episode, she talked about having uh, she's getting the Quicken books or whatever and re-upping it with a fake email address, but she's got no money. Then why is she doing that? I never understood that. <laughs> well, she's tracking the in and out. It's just the out is more than the in. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you, you need Quicken books to to track when you're in the red. But what's the banana to money conversion? And does Quicken Books do that? I I'm going to say Quicken Books does not do that. Uh, but I am sure that they are tracking it somewhere. Okay. I, I mean, by the by the way, I'm Stuart and hi. How are you guys doing tonight? <laughs> if I was if I was getting paid in food regularly, I would start tracking it just so I could say, you know, I could tell my grandkids. Yeah, in 2016, I was given 18 dozen apples. And just be able to have those numbers to give to the kids. Then again, if I'm talking to my grandkids, I would just make up numbers too. Right. You know, I, I feel what, like what are they going to say? You're a liar, grandpa. No, they're not going to say that. I feel like as a grandparent, you have that right and and ability to be like, we had to walk uphill both yeah, ways to yeah. school. Well, where do you live, Grandpa? <laughs> you live on top and on the bottom of a mountain at the same time. How does that work? There's a tunnel. There's a tunnel. Yep. Yes. And and why do, why are you not wearing a shirt to school, Grandpa? You should probably have thought about that. Here's the thing. You know, Grandpa. They they use I, people use that as a example. You know, all the time of the mm-hmm. hardships of our youth uh, of the older generation, but. It is possible to walk uphill both ways. They just are leaving out the downhill part. We walked uphill and then downhill and then going home, we walked uphill and downhill again. It's yes. possible. And and I do live in a place where it is routinely, you know, 30 degrees outside, 15 degrees outside. And I have heard <laughs> on more than one occasion, why they cancel school today? I remember having to go to school when it was zero. And I'm like, <laughs> Well, you know, hey, I could say this four years of school in Ontario. We lived on a dirt road that was a dead end road and we had one snow day, one day that can't that they canceled school one. Mm-hmm. And I really couldn't tell you why that happened. But the plow plowed our dead end gravel road every school day. Now, on the weekend, my dad would drive his snowmobile to work because they didn't (laughs) do it on the weekend. But yeah, so I mean, I (laughs) it's true. I mean, I look outside and I'm thinking you cancel for what? (laughs) But I I don't say it very much. Hey, yeah, we got got some Daredevil to talk about. I mean, we're talking about cold, but it's still hot there in Hell's Kitchen. It is. I mean, it is. It's it's Hell's Kitchen. And they really play up the heat, the loss of power, the loss of cold water, the loss of drinkable water at Josie's. Um, But it's it's hot in Hell's Kitchen. And I think Mm -hmm. that's where we need to go right now. Let's do it. All right. So let's start with a plot, a plot synopsis. This is episode two of season two, and it's called Dogs to a Gunfight. And basically, we are now in the next morning after... Um, Daredevil got shot in the head and fell over the side of a building. 
And so the next morning, Foggy realizes that something has probably gone wrong, and Foggy has his foggy intuition. It's like Spidey sense, only just not nearly as precise. And it happens after the fact. And he panics, and he's looking for Matt, and he finds him after some pretty good trickery and detective work and takes him back to Matt's apartment where the two men have another argument about pushing too hard, going beyond what he should be doing, going beyond what he needs to be doing, uh, going beyond what he actually can be doing. So Matt does uh, decide he'll stay home and rest while Foggy goes to the police station where Grotto is being held. There, he's strong-armed by the district attorney, Reyes, who has plans for Grotto. She wants to use him to get evidence on a drug dealer that Grotto has had contact with in the past. Meanwhile, Matt has his own problems. His powers are failing him. Karen, meanwhile, is now beginning to take an interest in the Punisher, thinking that she may deserve to be punished. Foggy hears her say this and helps lift her spirits, although he doesn't know exactly why she might be saying that. She seems to be talking in vague philosophical terms, but she goes then to visit Matt, whose hearing has finally returned, and she's worried about the Punisher, and she's worried about Matt. And, you know, there's a nice little romantically tense scene. Matt then visits Melvin, who, on examining the helmet that has been shot, says it can't be repaired, and then also plants the seed that perhaps the headshot was a purposeful miss, a precisely placed warning shot. Next stop for Daredevil, the crime scene, where he finds a trail of blood that takes him to an apartment with lots of scanner radios playing and lots of guns. But Punisher is not there. Rather, he is taking out a handful of the dogs of hell in their chop shop. So as Grotto is about to go out with a wire, he goes into a storage area, he meets someone, but we find out that he is not there to try and uh, get a drug deal where the, you know, the feds then can bust him or whatever. Uh, he's actually bait. He's bait for the Punisher. A truck arrives, the truck from the chop shop, and Punisher is not in it. It's actually a diversion. Punisher is waiting with a sniper rifle. He knows it was a trap and he's waiting patiently again, though, before taking the kill shot, Daredevil attacks him. They fight and gunshots ring out. Gunshots are flying all over the place and they're getting shot at by the SWAT team. They fall through a window and once more, Matt's powers fail him as he is getting ready to fight Punisher Foggy rushes out to where Punisher and Daredevil were last seen, pushes through the men, the SWAT team with guns, but both Punisher and Daredevil are gone. Cut to 15 seconds of credits or before you uh, move on to the next episode in your binge watch. That is dogs to a gunfight in a nutshell. In a nutshell. In a nutshell. Where do you want to start on this guy? Let's start with the plot. Let's start with some of the twisty, turny things of the plot. Um, I mean, you've got uh, you've got Matt's powers failing him. Uh, I was not expecting this, but at the same time, second movie of a superhero movie series, the hero loses powers one way or another. Well, 
and to be fair, you know, he did get shot in the head. So, and then, you know, his head's inside that. What is his, what is his helmet made out of? I don't know, but it's uh, really strong. <laughs> it's really strong, but it's probably, you know, banged his head around a little bit and it probably knocked his, you know, I, I don't want to say knocked his brain loose because I don't think that's medically valid, but <laughs> it probably, you know, rang his head. And so, um, so yeah, I imagine that his hearing is, is hurt and his hearing being so heightened. What I'm saying is though, yes, he lost his powers, but it's a very realistic way that he could have lost his powers. It's not like he got hit with, um, what, what is it? Green kryptonite or red kryptonite or whatever it is. It's like, that's well, a made up thing. Superman too. He lost his powers because he stepped into the chamber. Uh, mm. Spider-Man too. He got the flu, right? Something like that. Yep. Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Uh, Batman Returns, you could make the case of lost powers, but it really isn't really lost powers because he doesn't have powers, but um, he gets thrown off his game by some of the stuff that's going on. And, you know, let's think of some others. Well, those are the big ones. And didn't Iron, Iron Man, Man 2? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you can get past Disney, well, the <laughs> Walt imagery. There you go, Daniel. Just yeah. for you. So anyway, uh, it's a nice development, though. Yes, and, and know, it works really well. Jumping into style, the way they portray the loss of oh, his powers, yeah. uh, the kind of the slow motion breaking of glass and the the silence and, you know, he kind of ending, culminating in him sitting on the floor screaming. Uh, we are hearing what he hears, which is nothing. Right. I mean, the sound is coming out of his own mouth. It's his voice and he can't hear it. That's a really cool image. I was sitting there watching this and my, um, my middle daughter walks in and says, daddy, why do you have the sound down? And I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they do a very nice job portraying the, the yes. loss of powers and the directing in these, in this season up till now. And then specifically this episode is very good. Um, it, you get the sense that there's an artur behind it. There, it's more than just one shot, two shot, wide shot. It, there's actually thought going into the shots they are making and the and the purposes that they're you know the things they're trying to show. So the other twisty, plotty thing that's going on here is, uh, oh, what's his name, Melvin, placing the seed of of doubt that when Punisher shot Daredevil in the head. It wasn't a kill shot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I think that's probably true. I, I think mm-hmm. that, you know, if anyone can do a headshot and not kill you, that <laughs> it's it's this guy, right? Well, yes, it's also Fezzik from Princess Bride, where he throws the rock at uh, the man in black's head. And then he says, I, I don't have to miss. But yeah, I mean, that that goes back to what I was saying last episode where, you know, if Punisher wants you dead, you're going to be dead. If he wants you alive, he's not going to kill you. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's it's not going. It's not that he's going to keep you safe. It's just that he's not going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, I like you. So you're not going to die by my hands is what he's right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but. Okay, so let's stick with Punisher for a little bit here. Mm-hmm. He goes to a pawn shop. Oh, this scene. Gets some okay. illegal hardware, right? right. It's this radio, you know, thing so you're gonna he's gonna buy so he can listen to the, the police 
radios and that kind of thing. And uh, which, by the way, my grandfather used to have a police scanner in his. No, they still do. They don't use it anymore. But uh, a police scanner in his uh, in, in their den, basically the mm-hmm. television room. And there were nights I remember just sitting in the den, coloring while my grandfather listened to the police scanner. And it was just, and it would uh, go like through all the 13 channels and it would just flash through them until it found a, a signal and it would stop. And then you'd hear them talking and they talk and talk and talk. And then when they stopped talking, it would start scanning through again. But this episode gave me flashbacks to that where I would just be <laughs> coloring or, or building with Lego. And <laughs> it's, and then we had a murder over on 74th street. Well, no, I, <laughs> probably no, nothing not like that ever came up no it was really more the the weather and the fire uh fire <laughs> trucks that uh, he was listening for but yeah no crimes ever came up while i was listening <laughs> Just, well that's probably a good idea yeah. uh young benji turn your ears <laughs> off no no little benji avery did not get traumatized by my grandpa's police scanner but that's good so he, he gets the stuff he pays for the stuff he turns and, around and he's going to walk out. Right. And the guy, you just almost feel bad oh. for the guy. Almost feel bad for the guy. <laughs> and then you feel bad for, for Punisher. Cause right. you can just see on his face, like, I just want to walk out. Just leave me alone. Just leave me alone. And then the guy says, Hey, I've got porn. Lots of yeah. porn. Any kind you want. And then he mentions child porn. And the depths of depravity. I've got the worst stuff yeah. you could possibly want. And you can just see on his face, oh, I can't leave now. Right. I have to I, take care of this guy. <laughs> yeah. And again, masterfully shot. You know, you, mm-hmm. you when the, when Punisher first walks into that shop, he's he's just a guy in black. He's very, I mean, he's way little on the screen. He's way in the back, but he's, his presence just fills that frame. And you're like, okay, you know, this is fine. This is good. And then he walks up to the, to the, the pawn shop owner and he, you know, makes his transaction and he deals with him in a very fair manner. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he says, I, I just want to, I'm going to pay for my thing with cash. I'm going to, you know, I need some other stuff, blah, 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 blah. And he walks out. And then the guy, like you said, opens his mouth. And I get the sense that Punisher has this moral code, this strict moral code. I don't necessarily agree with it, but that's the thing that is making the Punisher tick. That's the that's the reason we have this character. And so, um, yeah, that guy opened his mouth. It was a bad situation. <laughs> well, but the, I mean, the crimes that they are putting in the Punisher's way are mobsters, you know, crime bosses mm-hmm. who are responsible for the deaths and harm of, of many, many people. And then this guy, you know, I mean, they are, we, they want us on Punisher's side. They also want us to wonder if he's doing the right thing, mm-hmm. you know, and, and sure. I mean, the case could be made that he's doing the right thing with, but doing it the wrong way, you know, or something like that. But I mean, he kills the guy with a baseball bat. Or at least leaves yeah. the guy like really, really hurt. I don't know. Maybe the guy's not dead. I I don't remember if they ever address that. But it's 
he he takes the way it happens too. Like he he sets down the bags, he turns around, and then takes a baseball bat from a store display, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and just and the guy's like, "Wait, what are you doing?" Because uh, he the guy's excited. Ah, yeah, you know what you want, you know that kind of thing. And then he's like, "Wait, what are you doing with that baseball bat?" And then we we cut away. We don't get to see any of it, and that's probably for the best. But right. One one might say that that the guy was punished for his crimes. You could say he was punished for his crimes. For, for his crimes. But what was interesting was he's not punished because he was selling illegal merchandise nope. or weapons or earlier before Punisher walks in, you see him, you know, buying a stolen purse or whatever. He's not punished for any of that. He's punished for taking advantage of the innocent. Yeah, and Punisher, like you said, clearly has a line. Mm-hmm. He has a line that he will say, if it's beyond this line, you must be punished. Mm-hmm. But if not, I'm just going to let it slide. I'm going to let it go. In fact, I mean, Punisher is breaking the law himself. Mm-hmm. Clearly breaking the law himself. Um, but this is a crime that... <laughs> this is a crime that most... Uh, I got to be careful how I say this. Because I don't want to insult anyone, but at the same time, I don't mind insulting people who are okay with it, you know. So it's, but this is a crime that most reasonable people would agree. This is a horrible, 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 right. horrible crime, right? And that by you know by having it be something where I mean, this guy isn't necessarily making the stuff, but he's definitely possessing and selling and benefiting from it. Mm-hmm. And so with all that in mind, you know, most people would say this guy deserves punishment. Mm-hmm. This guy deserves punishment because, I mean, I, I'm just going to say it. I mean, the, if you are into that stuff, you are a depraved individual. You deserve punishment. Mm-hmm. And so I'm on Punisher's side with this. And so I, this is something that it's good for them to do in this episode. Last episode he was a faceless killing machine that was mm-hmm. just walking through other people's stories with the one exception of the cop with the gun in the, in the hospital. Well, right. But I mean, he, he wasn't killing everyone, but he was walking no. through everyone's story, mm-hmm. you know? And so as he's moving through everyone's story, uh, he's causing, you know, this wake of chaos in his, you know, there's chaos in his wake and mm-hmm. as he's moving forward here, we're now seeing the lines, mm-hmm. you know, and, and this is one where it definitely, unless you're not a reasonable, sane <laughs> person, it definitely puts you on his side. Well, I, I think the thing that the conflict in Punisher is that who is he to mm-hmm. be the judge. Yes. And and yes, pawn shop owner is a despicable human being. Um, everybody is glad that you're not – if you're glad that he gets beaten up with a baseball bat, then, then good. But we live in a society with rules and we live in a society with law and order. Ba-bum. And <laughs> it's hard to have vigilantes when that – law and order um, system exists, which 
as soon as you say that, you have to question what show you're watching because you're watching a show called Daredevil in which the title character is a vigilante who takes law and order into his own hands. I So the fact that you have this one character who's technically the hero um, who's taking law and order to his own hands and, you know, beating Turk up multiple times. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you have... Um, but always leaving them alive so that the cops can get them, right? And then you have this other character who's technically, right now anyway, the villain um, who's taking law into his own hands. The only difference between him and Daredevil is he's leaving the people dead, (laughs) not alive. Yeah, he is definitely much more uh, extreme in his... Mm -hmm. And Daredevil would say, well, I'm working outside of the, the law but at the same time, I'm trying to work with the law Mm -hmm. and Punisher is saying, Hey, the law is not getting it done. So I'm getting it done. Right. And then that raises a bigger societal question of, you know, if the law is not getting it done and I need to get it done, do I have to work outside the law? And and then you, then you end up stealing the declaration of independence. Um, And no, <laughs> well, there? I, what? <laughs> there's that one line in the in the thing when you know what reasonable men have to do or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That's a great movie, by the way. Uh, I love those movies. I love them. Come on, come, come. Really, really. Okay, fine. I don't. Understand. I didn't say they were terrible. I just you didn't have to. I you just hesitated to, to say they were great for sure. Well, they're my Fourth of July movie every year. All right. And for those of you who don't know, we're talking about National Treasure, the sequel to Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So let's move on here. We've got a lot of questions about Punisher, but we are going to be coming back to that often. I mean, and the question about Punisher that I... There's one more element of this question I want us to look at, and that is Karen's. Karen's question is maybe we deserve this. You know, maybe and not only maybe we deserve this, but maybe I deserve to be punished. And because she shot somebody in last season, didn't she? She did. She did. She shot Wesley, didn't she? Well, yeah. I mean, here's so she has a conversation with foggy and she has a conversation with Matt and the conversation with Matt Murdoch is she says, did we create the Punisher? We have the daredevil Mm. and the daredevil does his thing. The natural next step is the Punisher. And Matt says, well, daredevil never killed anyone. And she says, okay, assume that's true. Then it's a really interesting phrase that she uses. She says, there's something about this city that makes good people want to shoot their way out of bad situations. And you get the idea that she's talking about herself. Now here is something I never thought of until this moment though. Maybe one of the reasons she's taking such an interest in this is this phrase. I I noticed the phrase, but she's talking about herself, but she could also be maybe talking about Frank Castle she doesn't know much about yet, but she is wondering what makes a person doing this. And 
maybe she's seeing kind of a, I did this, you know, I, how can I blame this guy for doing what he's doing when I did something very similar? The focus that I've had up until this point has been, she did this. She shot the guy last season. Plus there was something else about her past that we don't know Mm -hmm. that she kind of refers to that. I mean, we don't know what it is that happened in her past. That's really, really bad, but something happened. And so she, she says there's something about the city makes good people want to shoot their way out of bad situations. And that's what Punisher is doing. He potentially, I mean, she doesn't know him, but potentially he was a good person who has turned to this situation where he is killing people. Well, I think, I feel like she wants to believe that. And I don't know that she has any basis more reliable than her own personal experience. Um, She just, she's, she looks at what he's doing and she's picking up on things like, not killing everybody in the hospital yeah. indiscriminately. And I don't know that she's had any other interactions with him, but I feel like she's got this intuition that is just there. It, it, there's no, there's no basis for it. In fact, she's just got this intuition and saying, I feel like he's a good person underneath all of this. Okay. So we've talked about Punisher. We've talked about mm-hmm. uh, Karen and we've talked some about Matt. I'm sure there's more we could talk about with Matt, but let's talk about foggy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now we didn't talk much about this last episode where he went to the dogs of hell and he goes in <laughs> and he just starts talking because he's just panicking and he's adrenalized and he seems to be brave. Like they actually call him out. One of the, the gang members t- calls him out. You've got courage. And he's no, it's just adrenaline. It's just adrenaline. Um, he does it again. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's courage or adrenaline, but when he turns it on, it is something to behold. So this mm-hmm. is when he goes after he's had, well, you know what? <laughs> Let's talk a moment here when he's with Matt there's a literal tug of war over the suit as they are having their verbal sparring match about whether Matt should be doing what he's doing, but they are, mm-hmm. there is a point where they are literally just tugging back and forth on the daredevil suit. Like, get here. But, I was, I was worried someone was going to rip it. Oh, you ripped my suit. <laughs> you know, the scene would have played out much, much differently as a sitcom. Yes. It would have been just absolute. A, no, give it here, give it here, give it here. <laughs> Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't mean to do it. It's too late. The damage is done. And um, then what would have happened is the pole would have gone into the wall. They would have moved the dresser in front of the, the hole in the wall and then come up with a song about their dad. I have no idea where you just went with that. Full house. <laughs> Full house. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Listeners, I I will... <laughs> be super impressed if you send me the lyrics of that song that that stephanie and dj sing to their dad i won't give you anything because i got nothing to give but i'll be super impressed (laughs) you're just trolling for for listener feedback that's directed to you hate mail full house fan mail i mean you don't care it's no no 
It's all good. It's all good. All right. Anyway, <laughs> Foggy leaves to go take care of this whole situation with Grotto. He and Karen go mm-hmm. to the police off uh, the police station where we get a reprise of the Stanley cameo. It's, it's still in the there. back. Still there. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's, it's behind the it's behind the, the check in booth or whatever they call that yeah, in the police I office. I wouldn't call it the front desk because it's kind of in the back <laughs> of the room, but it's that's the basic idea. But mm-hmm. um they're going to you know deal with the whole legal situation for Grotto and they're gonna try and get a deal for witness protection if he turns over evidence and that kind of thing. And then Reyes comes in. And she is a force. Now, she is a force to be reckoned with, but also consider this. What she's about to do in this episode is not entirely legal. She is not that different from the Punisher. I mean, she's willing to break the law to do the right thing. So there's that. But she comes in. She takes over the situation. She's the DA, the district attorney, and she intimidates Karen and Foggy until Foggy decides it's time for me to step up. It's time for me to push back. And he does. I mean, he threatens to contact the feds. He brings up legal precedents about um, uh, witness protection and, and that kind of thing. Um brings up grotto's rights we represent grotto and what you want what you're doing right now what you're saying you're going to do right now is totally you know against his his civil rights or whatever and again is this courage is this adrenaline is this just that he's you know the the fool who steps in where he's not supposed to step in but uh this guy he is he's a hero yeah, I mean, he has no powers, but he is there to do good and do right. And he is the everyday hero. He is the hero that you and I and you listeners can be. Mm-hmm. He is the guy who says, I'm going to do what's right, even though it's hard. And even though I'm going up against forces that are uh, more powerful than me, going up against forces that could make life more difficult for me but it's the right thing to do now for foggy with, with grotto, it's the legal right thing to do, mm-hmm. you know, as far as the law of the land and, and following the law of the land and that kind of thing. But he is us. You know, Colson is and, us. We are Colson. Mm-hmm. Foggy is us. We are foggy. Yes. I was thinking that the same thing and I was waiting for a, a time to say it, but yeah, oh, exactly. Sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. You got there. That's the important part. Um, it, it, foggy. We are foggy and foggy is us. And that is our entry point into this series. That is our entry point into this. Um, uh, you know, Karen is somewhat of the emotional thing, but if you want us to, if you want to make us cry as, as viewers, you're going to put foggy in a situation that is um, terrifying. Um, if you want to make us cheer, you're going to have foggy do something awesome. Like you know? this. Yeah. Um, like this. And, and so here's a question for you. I'm all ears. Do you think foggy actually called the DOJ department of justice? I do. I do, I do too. Because I, I think he could bluff 
but I don't think he, I don't think he re I don't think he thinks he would be as, uh, believable if he was bluffing. Right. Right. And why not? <laughs> you know? Well, I, I feel like there are some people who would bluff it. Like, um, commander Riker is probably going to be able to bluff that situation. Oh, absolutely. But I don't, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think foggy is that suave. <laughs> I think foggy would know, look, sooner or later, I'm going to need to call the department of justice. I might as well have their contact in my phone. <laughs> no, I, I totally think he's, he's just thinking, what do I got to lose? You know, and right. if I, why bluff if I can actually get them on the line and, you know, have actually have the ace, you know, if you're going right. in poker terms, uh, this is not a guy who is bluffing. This is a guy who actually has a really good hand and the really right. good hand is a more powerful force than Reyes because mm -hmm. she she calls his bluff. You know, she's like, ah, uh, no, she doesn't call his bluff. She folds. That's what it is. Right. The correct because poker she term. Gets, well, because she gets, you know, she gets nervous because she knows that she's not on the right side of the, you know, the angels. Right. She's not on right. the right side of the law. Uh, and, and she, she can't do what she has planned to do or what, I don't know if this is all her plan, but the people who are doing this with her, mm -hmm. you know, she, she can't follow through if he actually does what he's going to do. Mm hmm. And that gives him a little bit of extra power that he didn't know he had. He's sincere in all of his statements, um, whether it's wanting rhubarb pie or talking to the dogs of hell. He is sincere in everything. I feel like every encounter that we have with him, he is 100% on the level. Um, even though he's a lawyer, like he actually gives good names to the fact that people choose to be lawyers in their profession. Um, <laughs> He's not, he's not this, you know, Jim Carrey liar, liar, lawyer. He's the, he's an actual good lawyer. We want this guy to succeed and we want him to represent us. Um, and he wants to represent the good people of Hell's Kitchen. And so that's, that's huge. And then I think that's something that, um, we will see, you know, him develop over, over time. And we saw it a little bit in season one, but I think really in season two, they're developing this character to be, you know, to step into those shoes, to step into that role of the good guy lawyer. Yeah. One of the good things you get out of good superhero stories is inspiration, you know, where mm -hmm. and I shouldn't say good. There are some good superhero stories that are about heroes who aren't, aren't inspiring. And I, I, I'll, I'll admit to that. I'm just saying one of the good things about these these kind of stories is mm -hmm. when you get a hero who inspires you to be something more, you know, Superman has always inspired me you know, mm -hmm. as a little kid. Superman made me want to be a hero, maybe want to do good things. And, um, you know, and that's Captain America for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's reinforced then in the values that my parents have given me and the values that I mm -hmm. got from going to church and, and my faith mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. But daredevil, he is, I would say an inspiring hero and why does it inspire you? It inspires you to do good with what you've got, right? And so mm -hmm. with great power comes great responsibility is a great, great term. And there's lots of different things you could do use as a metaphor for the great power. You know, your wealth, 
With great power comes great responsibility. Uh, you know, your, your talents, your abilities. With great power comes great responsibility. But Foggy is an example of a guy who, you know, he doesn't have great power. But he still takes on the great responsibility. You know, he is he Superman is going to save the world because he can save the world when a meteor is flying towards the earth. He can fly up into space and smash it to a to bits with his his fist. But Foggy Nelson, he can't save the world. He doesn't have that kind of reach, but he does work within the world that he lives in. You know, it's Foggy and Karen and Matt, you know, with the law firm, but you know, Matt obviously has the superhero thing going on on the side and foggy, I think is taking some inspiration from Matt. But on the other hand, he's also saying, you know what, this is what my lot in life is. And I want to do good. And I want to, I want to help people. And so I'm just going to put it out there again. Maybe it's not even so much that foggy is us and we are foggy, but we should want to be like foggy. Right. We should want to be sincere like Foggy and in all of our actions do the good that men do, you know, and, and that's what we should be. That's what we should be going out. Yeah. Do the good that we can do, do the good that we should mm-hmm. do and go outside of our comfort zone to do it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I am done sermonizing for this episode. <laughs> but, that, that, I, I would didn't think but it's that there. it was, but it was there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I'm very careful. You know, as we talk about these things, I'm, I'm very careful not to try and, you know, make all these weird connections and that kind of thing or weak connections. If you follow my strangers and aliens podcast, but um, when it's there, let's talk about it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and this is one of those things that's there. I, I just find inspiration in the character of foggy. Uh, mm-hmm. I like him a lot and there's a lot to like about him uh, in his weaknesses. He has strength. And it's fun to watch. Is do you know if that character is in? I think he's in Daredevil in the comic series. Yes, he is, but I don't know where really what he's like in the comic series. Um, I'm trying to remember. It seems like he wasn't such a great guy in the comic series. On the other hand, it also seems like he was betrayed by Matt Murdock often. And, and so he became, but he actually became like district attorney and, oh, yeah. and had like a, a, a legal career and, um, is one of the supporting cast that was there toward the beginning that, that is still around and, and, uh, you know, grew and had character arcs and that kind of thing. I, I want to say that in the movie, in the Ben Affleck movie, it was played by John Favreau. Yes. Yes. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it was. That's funny. Anyway. That's without looking at IMDb, but yeah, I, I didn't look either. All right, so uh, do we have any more characters to talk about? Well, we can, I mean Grotto. I mean that guy is just being—he's a leaf in the wind. And Aww. yeah, I, too well, so, too soon. We're talking about too soon. Too always too soon. Never not soon. All right, all right, but he's he's just getting pushed around back and forth, and he's part of that twisty, turvy, tricksy plot that we have going on here. And this plot hangs on us not knowing what's going on basically with the Fed, the feds, the, the district attorney where right. we think it's bad enough what we think they're going to do. So they want to 
keep him kind of in the line of danger because, you know, they know the Punisher is out there, uh, but they they want him to go and, oh, I can't remember the name of the guy that they're going to have. Oh, Brass. 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 There's a drug dealer by the name of Brass. And if they can just get him to admit he wants to sell drugs, he doesn't have to say he's going to sell them to Grotto. He just has to say something about selling drugs. And they can get him and then they'll give Grotto witness protection. And this is all horrible. This is all terrible, but it's the best shot that Grotto has. And so, you know, Foggy, Karen, they confer with him and they're like, you know what? It's going to be okay. They're going to take care of you. And they convince Foggy and Karen because he trusts them. They convince him to do this. And then we find out. No. He goes in, and instead of finding some drug dealer, there's a SWAT guy in full gear. And now, it's a trap. It's bait. He is bait for the trap for Punisher. I don't remember what I rea- how I reacted the first time I watched it. But the first time I rewatched it for this, I was like, oh, it's a dirty cop. It's like, a, um, you know, he's like on the payroll of Wilson Fisk or somebody like that, right? Mm-hmm. And then I realized... No, it's actually worse than that because it's the cops using this guy as bait on purpose, thinking they're on the side of good. <laughs> it's not like it's a it's a bad, you know, it's a cop who's on the take. It's actually the cops saying, we want to use the, we're going to purposefully use this guy for bait. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's we worse are, than that. We are doing <laughs> something good by doing this to him. And it's mm-hmm. one of those, you know, you have to ask your question and, and do the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Uh, this is a situation where they have clearly chosen that the needs of the grotto do not outweigh the <laughs> needs of the city and right. and law and order. And they, in some ways, you could say that maybe they're just saying he's throwaway. You know, he is a throwaway person. Uh, he's not a good person, so we're going to put him in the line of fire. And in some ways, you could say, well, um, we're making the sacrifice, and, and maybe it is a painful sacrifice. And, you know, any loss of life is not a good thing, uh, but we're going to do our best to protect the guy. And they do. I mean, it's not like they're just throwing him out there in front of the gun. Right. You know, they put him in a place where he is somewhat safe, somewhat protected. But what they weren't expecting was that the attack is a diversion. Right. And so then more, more tricksy, topsy, turvy, plotty stuff. It's, it's not Punisher in the truck. <laughs> it's one of the dogs no. of war. Dogs of hell. Oh, that's right. Dogs of hell. And Punisher is just waiting up there with his sniper rifle to take out the guy in one shot and not hurt anyone right. else. So then we get the fight scene. And Punisher and Daredevil are fighting again. We get a second fight out of them. And this one second is of many, I'm sure. Yeah, but <laughs> this one's a great set piece, too, mm-hmm. because they're fighting each other, but they're fighting each other as they're getting shot at by all the police. And it just adds that another, you know, a third level. Um, it's nice. You know, I mean, you could have them fighting on a tightrope above a volcano or you could have them fighting, you know, any number of places where there's extra danger. I, for some reason, love this idea 
where they're fighting each other while they're getting shot at by the police. Isn't it also raining at that point? Boy, I wish I could remember, but it seems like it was. Because one of the things that happens in this fight scene is the Punisher finds out that Daredevil is blind because they they crash into the thing and then he's walking around and he takes a step forward and takes a step back and, and he's noticing that Matt isn't tracking him. And he finds out that he's blind. All of the gunshots and the rain and all of that um, serve to dull uh, Daredevil's, you know, abilities once again. You know what else dulled his abilities? Getting shot in the head by the Punisher. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So it's a it's a that's an interesting thing. I mean, what would happen if those two characters were on um on evil even footing you know if it wasn't raining and there weren't a bunch of gunshots and matt could you know use his senses to to full power i mean you might that's like that's a question to ask i don't know um what the answer is i still think i mean things wouldn't have turned out the way they did without him losing his powers yes Mm -hmm. uh but that's the point of that whole situation was Mm -hmm. you know he, he lost his powers no guns, no rain, I don't think it would have been a problem. I, I don't think it would have changed anything. It, it it was a problem, but it wouldn't have changed the outcome with without his power loss. And I think that his power loss is what we need to push forward. Now, I remember and know what happens as we push forward into the next episode, but this is a great place to end this episode. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this is really... You know, a, a great cliffhanger again, a great cliffhanger. Yeah. And then they, um, they also, again, it's a great cliffhanger and they go, you know, you, you have the ability to go right into the next one, um, which makes it, makes it nice for your binge watching habit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you leave it on this and you let it, you know, like again, best of both worlds, you had to wait three months to figure out why, Captain Picard had a laser attached to his eye. Um, and so you no, I, I remember having to wait for things. So I think on my first watch, I actually waited a little bit and let this one sit and mull over and whatnot. Well, but with this one for, for us, we would have had to wait until the next week if this were like, right. But we are ending with a cliffhanger on, on, you know, both of these episodes now. Yeah. And yeah, it's 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 a good place to end. And I would have been fine waiting a week to find out what happens next. Mm -hmm. Flip side of that three months was terrible. (laughs) It was was awful. Yeah. Well, you know, um, (laughs) I do know it was it was was bad. I remember. Yeah. We ended up a cliffhanger. It was good. Uh, Where. So we have. We did character, we did plot, we did style. Um, what about themes? Themes. I, you know what? <laughs> I already went on the, the soapbox with with the, the <laughs> foggy. So I think I'm I'm done with themes. You, if you have anything you can come up with, that's that's fine. But uh, yeah, that's, that's well. My... I mean, aside from aside from you know using the things that using the talents you have and 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 not letting a little adversity, whether it's being blind or not being the smartest, most beautiful person in the room. Um, I, I'm trying to get to foggy somehow. Um, you know, you got to <laughs> use those things. Yeah. 
So that's our theme. So I, I don't I don't really have anything else to. No, it's it's a it's a good episode. What are, what do you? Oh, let me think of a rating. Um, oh wait wait wait. First, we got some okay. other things we got to do. We got okay. we got to do feedback. All right. Oh yes, feedback. Okay. Yeah. Yay, Let's feedback. Witness testimony. We have no feedback for this episode. So. Oh. <laughs> but we'd love to hear from you and. Also, I, I we understand, you know, it's not quite the yes. same urgency as you have with, with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Plus, we just dropped our, our first season, our first episode of the second season just a little bit ago. But we would love to hear from you. You can go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback. Let us know what you think about Daredevil Season 2 and where it went and what it does and what are we getting completely wrong. Because, hey, you know what? We're just we're just like you. You know, we're just two guys. Uh, and... Right now, not girl. She's not here. But we're all just like you. We're just regular people. You know? Mm-hmm. We're just regular people, like Foggy. And like Foggy. Yeah. So we don't get it right all the time, just like Foggy. No. I think that's just going to be my excuse from now on in life. Is, <laughs> hey, yeah, I'm like Foggy, you know? I'm sorry I didn't get it right. I'm like Foggy, uh, you know? So, so you, why were you speeding? I'm like Foggy, I'm like officer. Foggy. Right? Yeah, yeah. I'm it's sorry, okay. honey. I forgot to do the dishes. I'm like foggy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I I don't know if my wife would accept that because she doesn't even know who foggy is. First of all, and second of all, <laughs> if she did, uh, she wouldn't care. You know, it's just not an excuse, but no, it's not an excuse. Not it's an excuse. a reason. You know, that's, that's mm-hmm. what I have to tell people. Then the follow-up is I'm like foggy, you know, and I'm not making an excuse. I'm just telling you the reason, you know? So, <laughs> And I don't know why I'm talking like that. I don't know I why am. you're talking like so, that. You, know, you, you, you kind of turned into Joe Pesci a little bit. Uh, a little bit. Like a <laughs> a really unlikable Joe Pesci, you know? So, <laughs> although he's kind of... Uh, I'm not going to go there. Oh, we like Joe Pesci. No, no. It's Joe Piscopo I'm thinking of. Yes. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, Joe Piscopo. Uh, not, not as likable. No. Not as likable. Although he Star was Trek. on Star Trek. He was not on... <laughs> Joe Pesci was not on Star Trek. Joe Pesci was not on Star Trek. True. All right. That's enough for feedback. Now we have to figure out what we're going to rate this with because we have just a five second sounder to figure it out. Final verdict. All right, Stuart, how many baseball bats out of five do you give this episode of Daredevil season two? Season two. I really like this episode. I'm going to give it four baseball bats plus a half a baseball bat. You know, like the little ones you get at the at the the Cubs games, <laughs> just like one of those. So four and so, a half baseball. So bat. four baseball bats and a souvenir baseball bat and a souvenir baseball bat. All right, yes. fair enough. I'm oh. giving it a solid four. Great episode, but you got to save five for the the special ones, right? Yeah, yeah. This is four solid four, mm-hmm. but they're aluminum. Okay, so that works out. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know how, yeah. <laughs> but it will. <laughs> the 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 wood to aluminum conversion rate must be in your favor at this point. Something like that. Something like that. So, uh, with all that said, I want to say thank you, everyone, for listening. Stuart, do you want to say mm-hmm. anything to everyone who's listening? Thank right you, now? everyone, for listening, and I can't wait to hear your uh, full house feedback song lyrics oh, man. oh 
bonus no prize if you sing them in a voicemail. Yes. If you sing them in a voicemail, I will do the no prize. I will press the button. Personally send you two no prizes. Oh, did you just allow me to give two no prizes to the person who sings the Full House song? Uh, We'll play the sounder once, but you can send them two. Yes. Okay. Not the not. I just want to make this clear because there's there's now there's now stuff on the line. You can't sing the 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 show song. It's the song that <laughs> DJ and Stephanie make up for their dad. <laughs> what has happened to our show? <laughs> you you brought a pop culture nerd on is what happened. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. Speaking of a pop culture, uh, speaking of a pop culture nerd after the credits you will hear samantha's review of logan a movie that Stuart and i have not yet been able to see um and that actually might be <laughs> samantha's review might be the official word from uh, <laughs> welcome to level seven about logan for quite a while so i i yeah. don't know but anyway please you don't have to just send in <laughs> emails to Stuart. you can leave voicemails you can just use your phone you know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you just use your phone. You know, like mine. Uh, I mean, my phone is. Did not you get great. a new phone, Ben? Well, yeah. I mean, I use my phone to call in these voicemails from way back when. But yeah, I mean, I just use this phone, Stuart. I mean, check out the phone, man. That's a brand new IKEA. Thanks once more for listening. You've heard us. Now we'd love to hear from you. Just go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback to contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one level 7 You can also join the conversation by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash welcometolevel7, or by following us on Twitter, where we are level7pod. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think laugh and succeed at noodle.mx learn how to podcast get productive in your personal and professional life theorize over tv shows laugh or clean comedy learn critical thinking from movie reviews and more at noodle.mx thanks for joining us until next time godspeed Welcome to the after credits. This is Samantha. I'm sure you noticed that I wasn't there recording tonight to talk about Daredevil, and that's because I had a really good reason. As we would say on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I was out in the field on assignment. I went to go see Logan at the theater. It's the 10th movie in the X-Men series. It's the last installment for Wolverine within the X-Men universe. And I just want to let you guys know what it's like. It's a Western. It's most definitely a Western that's set in the year 2029. So it's not in the far distant future, but the story is very much like the old gunslinger movies like A Fistful of Dollars and so forth. It's one of those Westerns where... The uh, lone gunman is set on assignment to get somebody from one location to another by a certain date, and they end up being hunted by somebody that's terrible. 
But in this movie specifically, Logan is in the El Paso, Texas area. He's driving a limo and hustling, and he's doing all of this to help keep Charles Xavier alive. He's living just across the Mexican border in hiding. And he has help from another mutant called uh, named Caliban. And in this time, most other mutants are gone. They've been somehow eliminated. And one day, a woman and a little girl show up, and they need help getting to Canada. And they offer him $50,000 to get there. And um, at first, he's not sure because he doesn't want to be too far away from Charles. Eventually, he decides to go. For those of you who have seen the cartoon X-Men Evolution and following comics, you know this little girl. Her name is Laura. She's also known as Experiment X-23, and she has some very close connections to Logan, and all of that unfolds throughout the movie, but I'm not going to spoil it all for you. If you want to go see it, go check it out. I do not recommend that you bring little children to this movie. Um, there's a lot of cursing, uh, a lot of violence, a lot of gore. And there's also a scene where, a very quick scene where a woman in the back of Logan's limo pulls down her top. Uh, it's very blink and you miss it, but, and I, there's no real reason to put it in the movie in the first place. It'll be edited out of the TV version. Um, but I think that for many people that enjoyed the other X-Men movie, enjoyed Deadpool, I think you'll also enjoy this movie too. Also, speaking of Deadpool, just before the movie starts, you will see the Deadpool 2 teaser trailer. It's very funny, and if you look very carefully during the trailer, you will see advertisements for the movie Logan, Firefly, and other closely related projects that are near and dear to the hearts of the creators of, of Deadpool. Anyways, I hope you guys make it to the theater and enjoy the movie. Bye.